Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Well, I'm usually the host, this is one of the special episodes where I am, in fact, not. Uh, recorded a bit ago when I was working on my book, Bert Kreischer, stand-up comedian, podcaster, machine, filled in enthusiastically. His and our guest for this episode is Miss Pat, stand-up journeyman and star-slash-co-creator of The Miss Pat Show. Together, they talk about Miss Pat's first Netflix hour special, Y'all Want to Hear Something Crazy, which came out earlier this year. The joke we'll and they'll start with is from that special and is about Miss Pat's mother's neck. Consider it a bit of foreshadowing, as you will later get a fun glimpse of Miss Pat's own motherhood in the episode. So, here is Miss Pat. And my mom was part time handicapped, too, y'all. Yeah, she was part-time handicapped. Her neck was fucked up. No lie, y'all, her neck would just fall over like this. She'd be like, be pick my neck back up. So we would have to be there to pick her neck back up at all times. And I don't know what the fuck was wrong with my mama's neck, but when I met her, her neck was fucking doing that. <laughs> and I hated my mama's neck, y'all. Because as kids, we couldn't go outside and play because we was always on fucking neck-catching duty. I remember riding the car with my mama one day. We were on the way to cash your social security check, right? And my mama would always keep my sister in the back seat and me in the front seat so she would have 360 neck catching position. <laughs> so we riding in the car, my mama on the way to cash your social security check, and she come up to a railroad track, y'all, and then she like, fuck, this fucking train gonna make me miss the goddamn bank. And she like, I'm gonna beat this train. I look back at my sister like, no, she ain't. <laughs> No lie, y'all. My mama took that 64 Chevy and she hit that fucking gas and hit that first track. Nigga, her neck fell back. <laughs> she was like, big people neck up, the train coming. <laughs> My sister slapped the shit out that neck. 
but she hit it too hard and it went into the steering wheel. <laughs> Nigga, I lift my mama head back up, but I didn't position it right. It fell back. My sister hit that bitch again. <laughs> like, hold on, bitch, this is not baseball. So finally, I held my mama head up and we went across the track, y'all. My mama gonna pull over. She's like, why you bitches hit me so hard? <laughs> like, bitch, the train was coming. <laughs> Let your weak neck ass get us killed. <laughs> and you wanna hear something crazy? My fucking sister neck do the same shit. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. It's called Rye Neck. I'm saying, W-R-Y, you can Google it on the internet. The only other thing to have this shit is chickens. <laughs> I don't know if we got it from frying that fucking chicken in the damn fireplace. But my sister neck do the same shit, but her neck just lay on her shoulder, nigga. When she lift that bitch up, it take off like a water sprinkler. Tick, 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 tick. I'm riding in the car with her one day, me and my daughter, right? And my sister running her mouth and that bitch lift that head up and it tuck up across her shoulder while she driving. My daughter screaming, ah! I'm like, calm down, bitch. She using her peripheral vision. He gonna come back around. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. This seems like a takeover because it's, it's, it's just me and you, Pat. <laughs> Like always, Bart. <laughs> is it weird that I, I like, I, I refer to you as Miss Pat. Leanne calls you Pat. And my daughters call you Miss Pat. But is, is it weird that, like, that people call you by that name? Because you're kind of your stage name. Miss, well, Pat is my name, too, but it doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes when you say Miss Pat, sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's a fan. But then, you know, people just, Miss Pat is kind of, it sticks to people. So it don't matter either way. <laughs> well, I want to start by saying congratulations on your special. It was absolutely fantastic. Thank One of the you. top five specials I saw this year, no lie. It, 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 you absolutely murdered it, and you murdered it in your own voice, your own way, the same way you did your sitcom. You are redefining the genre of comedy in so many ways. When you look at your fan base, your fan base is a weird cross-section of comedy fans. And everything you're doing has your own thumbprint on it. So I have to say, congratulations. You are, you are, you are legit a groundbreaker in this business. Thank you, Bert. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, um, I learned a long time ago, you know, you can, you can easily get stuck into what everybody else is doing. And I've never been a follower. So I decided I'm going to do this shit my way, whether they like it or not. I'm going to tell these grimy dark stories and, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, that's what I like about what you're doing is that, you know, and I, 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 I it's the comedy I like is that it, you, no one else is telling that story. Exactly. No one else has that fucking story. <laughs> yeah, no one has that story. No one can tell that story. And it's, it's what makes you, it, well, it is what makes you stand out. Tonight, I'm going to tell you how my big titties saved my life. summer of 1988 I'm, si <laughs> I'm 16 years old I got two kids two and one years old and I'm living in the hood in Atlanta and in this hood I'm you know I'm trying to survive so I go out and start me a small business well I was selling crack but we're gonna call it a small business tonight 
Okay, white people. Because <laughs> when you're 16 years old in the hood and you got two kids, there's only two things you can do for a job. Either sell drugs or sell your body. So I did the one that paid the most. And you, but it's also very dangerous. I'm curious. I want to get into the joke where obviously we're here to talk about one joke in particular, but I'm curious about the peril of being an authentic individual. Like, what was it like learning how to find your voice? Because that's the hardest, that's the hardest part about comedy is finding your voice. Once you find your voice, all of a sudden everything clicks into place. But those, those times where everyone's emulating someone that, that's doing it right, everyone's doing a version of Bernie Mac, everyone's doing a version of Dane Cook, everyone's doing a version of Dane, Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Attell. What was it like in the early years when you were trying to figure out who you were on stage? Uh, I think I was falling into what I saw other females doing. And, um, you know, uh, looking at Samoa and Cher Underwood and, you know, young, young comics tend to go and do the people that they like. And those was black women. And then people kept telling me, like, no, you're a storyteller. And it really made me started to um, open up. I mean, open up, started realizing who Richard Pryor was, Chris Rock was, other people was who were storytellers. And it, it just made... I mean, you can only write so many dick-sucking jokes. <laughs> and, you know, I got vertigo, and I was like, oh, I'm sick of these jokes. Yeah. And I, I just decided to start it. Uh, I think when I found my voice is when I started to be honest with who I was and not ashamed of my background, because a lot of my shit come from the way I grew up, how I live. So once I didn't give a fuck what people thought about me. It allowed me to open my mind, open my, open doors in my life that I should deal with a lot of the pain. And so I think that's what made me stand out because can't nobody tell the stories I tell. They're no. hard to steal. <laughs> They're hard to steal. By the way, even if you stole them, I think you'd bomb with them 20 times before you figured it out how to get it over, you know? Yeah, you probably would because... I mean, you, I mean, how many people really had a thumb stuck up their ass and willing to talk about it? <laughs> how, many, how many people got their nipple shot off? How many people got shot in the head by their baby daddy? How many people got pregnant at 13? How many people got, like, your stories are so, uh, they're so rich. I, I'm, I want to, I'm curious how, how do, how does one stand out in your life and, and, and find its way onto a, a special or onto into your act? And that will start there. Not being angry. You know, a, a lot of people always say, I can't believe you're not angry. Because, you know, a lot of times shit that happened to people in the past, they, they just get angry and angry. They feel mm -hmm. like they didn't have an opportunity. I never fought anybody for my life. I didn't choose my mama. I didn't choose my life. What I did was chose to deal with my life when I got older and realized that I was on something called a psych, a fucking cycle of crazy people in my family. And I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. So I think a lot of it had, it had to do with me not being angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to find out about the days on this planet. What am I going to do? Spend it thinking about that person. Yeah, I mean, of, of stuff that I can't change. You know, I, this comedy thing has been so revengeful, revengeful for me. Like when, it, when my first season came out on BT Plus, and I just asked BT one thing. I said, can you please put a billboard by his job? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm petty as fuck. I'm <laughs> and petty they did as it. fuck. 
And they put a billboard by his job and he catch the ball. <laughs> hey, so when you when you have a story, what is the reason that that gets into the set list? Like, because I'd imagine you have tons of stories, like tons of stories. And the one we're talking about is your mom's your mom's chicken neck. And <laughs> and it's like it's like at what point who do you tell that to? Because I assume everything in your life it just happened to you and you're just like yeah yeah that like didn't everyone like like i always say doesn't doesn't everyone drink a gallon of kool-aid every day like that's how <laughs> i do it but like do, do, when does it when, what is it that makes a story stand out that it goes into your act like what is it that brings the story to the head so the way my mama nick got in there uh i was talking to my sister one day and she was like, why you ain't never talked about Mama Nick getting stuck on that railroad track? And I was like, oh, bitch, I forgot that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I immediately went to the stage. And, and so I think I told my husband, I was like, I have told you this story about my Mama Nick. Because my Mama Nick got damaged from, uh, she got to fight with a security guard at all based on your income project or housing we lived in. And from there on, her neck would just fall over. And I, they never gave my Mama Nick breaks. We just had to be there to catch her neck. And I fucking hated her neck. Because she wouldn't use the neck brace that they gave her to keep her yeah. neck up during the day and she could let it down at night. And so I just started telling that story and people thought I was lying. But it's really, a, it's really is a disease. My sister have it too. By the way, that's the, I mean, not to jump immediately into the joke, but I guess we should. But what's, what's so great about that, that's the best. I'm obsessed with stories that need, stories need an ending. Uh, they, they need an ending. They need a tag. You need to know that it's over. You need to know that there's finality to the story. And the best, it, the best part of that is when you go, and I swear to God, my sister's got it too. And <laughs> hers just goes to the right. It's such a great, do, do you, not to, not to sound like, like I, people always say this about us that we're not Hemingway and we're not Fitzgerald, but like, do you, do you cognizantly think I need to, this story isn't over. I need to I need to round it out. I need the, my I need the story about my sister. I need the story about my sister. And does uh, does that go into your mind, or does your story seem so organic? Uh sometimes I feel like they're not done. So what I would try to do is I'm writing another hour now, where I yeah. would like to pick up some more stuff about my mama because all of it couldn't fit in an hour. So you know I work with Robert Townsend to do this special and he removed some stuff tagged some stuff made some stuff bigger yeah. I learned a lot by working with him so whatever I couldn't put in there I'm moving it over to my next hour that I'm developing now but um sometimes I feel like the story or sometimes I feel like oh I wish I'd have saved that for a yeah. little longer it could have just got better and better but it was it was the right fit for this special and and I had so many people inbox me like oh my god my family got this too <laughs> yeah. Wait, how many times did you tell that story before it worked? It actually worked the first time I went on stage. I See, got laughter from it. I got laughter from it. And all I had to do was just, it was a story that was in my head. I just had to tell it. That's the most frustrating thing about watching you do stand-up. Watching you do everything is you really feel like, like you have like this Chappelle-esque way of just, I can just do it. If you want, I do it as it whereas like I definitely sit with a freaking notebook and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm writing like different punches and thinking, where do I add an Isla voice in this? Or where do I add a dad voice? And all yours comes out so organically. 
Uh, my, I hear that all the time. My, my friend tell me, he says, it's not fair how you get fucking uh, a bit every other day. You know, I could just, I, 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 we comedians, so we pay attention to shit. You yeah. know, like, I, I would just did a, uh, I just did a procedure today where uh, every time I go up on the anesthesiology, I wake up cursing. Fuck. <laughs> Do you realize how scary that would be to put you under anesthesia and realize I'm going to get the wrong side of Miss Pat? I know. And I was like, this shitty ass hospital. And my husband was like, shut your fucking mouth. Shut your yeah. Fucking mouth. So, I mean, stuff like that, that I would literally take on stage and I would write about it. And I just pay attention. You know, it, one thing about me, Bert, I think with me, I've always been able, I didn't realize this until I became a comedian. I've always been a storyteller. So whenever yeah. I tell something, it, 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 it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be funny. I'm just telling a story that comes out funny. So now I could just pick up from if something happened to me, I take it to the stage and everything needs a little tweaking now because I'm telling yeah. this hilarious joke. I don't want to give it away about my daddy being prejudiced. And uh, he, he he didn't want his what he didn't want his fake leg to be white because he was prejudiced. Yeah. He wanted his nigga leg. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling this and it was a true story. So I just take things like that from my life and tweak them a little bit. And so people can. People laugh at him. I'm curious. It's easy, but it's you know it's not easy. This is a Joe Rogan question. He asks this to everyone, but like, what is your process? Do you have a, a notepad that you keep everything in, that you write everything down in, and that you write tags and punches in, or is it? Are you like? I feel like you're like Jay Z, where everything's just in your head. A lot of it's in my head, but I do go to open mic. Like right now, I'm filming a Timo episode of this past show. But when I'm not on doing that, I go to open mic like everybody else. I keep a notepad. I record every set. And sometimes when I'm flying, I just listen back to my set and say, oh, I can punch this up there. Or I can punch this up there. You know, add a little joke. So uh, I do what everybody else do. I mean, you have to if you want it. I want everything I say to come out my mouth to build to bigger, bigger laughter. And I don't like a long, dry story. Then yeah. punchline don't really pay off. I want to punch your ass all the way through. Yeah. How much insight do you put in when you form this hour? This hour was fantastic. Do you like? I'm very hyper aware. I think the older I've gotten, the more aware I've gotten, or the more analytical I've gotten. Do you? go like this is too much stuff about my kids or too much stuff about my mom or too much stuff about sex do this this needs a little bit of this needs some light do you do that or do you like how do you how do you form an hour i form an hour by it's like taking them on a a, a, a trip you know taking them like like a bedtime story like i would give you some mama here then I weave into some something else here and then come back around and talk about the mom again. And I hate to say this, but I learned that technique from Bill Cosby. I really? went to go watch Bill Cosby one time and he talked about making chicken dressing. And it was the smoothest fucking hour and a half. I thought I had been there for 45 minutes. And I, what I learned from Bill Cosby, oh, how he'll take it. you into a story, but don't close that story out and weave you into another story that ain't got shit to do with that story and bring you back to close the first story. And I was like, this motherfucker is a genius. Yeah. So, and I don't have it down packed. I'm learning it myself. But I saw that firsthand for the very first time when I went to go see Bill Cosby live. When it's done right, it's done so well. You're like, it really pulls you in. I remember the first applause break I, I ever got, and I didn't know why. And I got off stage, and the guy was like, "Was 
everyone knew it was over because you had already started that story earlier. And then when you finished that story and then you tagged it with that, it was over. And I went, huh? Like, it's amazing <laughs> how you can step in shit as a comedian and then go, oh, shut up. Yeah. How close is Patricia to Miss Pat? Um, if I no, totally different when I come home. They don't give a fuck what I do. Wash yeah. the dishes. We need you to do that. We need you to do that. I'm like, oh, y'all don't treat me like people outside. Yeah. Those people don't, <laughs> they don't, don't treat do me like people life. outside. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. You hear me? They don't give a it was so funny. I come home because you know I'm raising my uh I custom my my niece kids, and they Googled me one day. And she I come home and my niece said, you didn't tell us you rich. I said, I'm not rich. Stay the fuck off the internet. They lie. Tell us you're rich. I'm, like, I'm not fucking rich. Stay your ass off the internet. So that's how I get treated when I get home. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I, because your stories, Miss Pat on stage, it, you experienced all of that. Mm -hmm. is, is there going to be, you think there's going to be like a, a self-help special where you go up and you talk about how you became who you are today. Cause that transformation is like, that's that Oprah gene. I mean, no one's got that gene that goes through what you went through and then becomes, and you know, for lack of better words, a, 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 a mini mogul. I mean, you've got specials, you got the number one sitcom on BET plus you've got one, by the way, I'm, I'll say it right now, the number one sitcom in the country Based on if we're talking about enjoyable, no one's watching any fucking sitcom out there. Everyone's watching yours. Everyone's watching yours and going, this is what they need to be like. I'm not, I'm not even joking, Pat. I go into meetings and then I go, have you seen Miss Pat show on BET Plus? I have a subscription to fucking BET Plus because of your fucking show. <laughs> What's up, y'all? I'm Miss Pat and I just moved to Plainfield, Indiana. Well, the corn is high and the black population is me and my damn family. We are the Schaefers. And we're the Carsons, the Ford, and the James. You really think they would have killed him if he wasn't white? You do realize black folks don't have to play the lottery no more. You just wait till the police shoot your child and you might get a $4 million check. And then they tax the shit. <laughs> Thank you, Bert. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was did so well they put it on Paramount Plus too. Thank God. What is it in your life experience that gives you the confidence to stand up for yourself? Because uh, I've been pushed over so much over in my life. And I, I just, people I, should know that people take your time with it. But people should know the path you got, you took to get to the success of the Miss Pat show, because it wasn't an overnight. It was it was. Take it back to like the first offer you got and walk me through every iteration of a white dude telling you what to do about your life. Uh, first, let me say that uh, I had to get here. I had to learn how to love myself, because when I took a bunch of the bullshit that I took uh, through the bad relationship, through the mistakes I made in life, I put so I put everybody before me. So when I started to love myself, shit started to change as far as the offers. Bert, I'm from the street. I don't believe shit nobody say. I really do not. When when Hollywood came knocking, I was like, fuck off. I don't got time for y'all lies. Y'all ain't about to build me up here and drop me like a pinion. And I ran into this dude, the very first person that called when I did Mark Marin podcast before I met you was uh, a guy named John Rattler. He was working. Hang on for one second. Hold on one second. There's no way you did Marin's podcast before you met me. The, you, when I did. did you, 
Bullshit. I did first. Bullshit. Bullshit. I did do Marin first. Yes, Bullshit. There's no fucking way. Did I you do did. who did you who did you do first? Marin or Rogan? Marin. Fuck, Marin got the scoop on everyone. Yeah, he did. Because everybody kept saying, you need to do Mark Marin. And when I looked at him, I was like, this is not a good match. But it ended up. <laughs> this is not a good match. <laughs> By the way, you couldn't be more right, but also more wrong because Marin just loves great stand-ups. But when you look at like Mark Marin and what he who he likes to interview, it's like the bassist for the the fucking Oingo Boingo. And you know, he don't really repeat. And I went on there twice. And yeah. and I still chat with him every now and then. I check him, how you doing, Mayor? You know, I always he's just a like he's I, just a fan to go stand up. I mean, that's all he is. Yeah, he really is. But so I meet this guy, I do I do Marin podcast, and then I sell a book to uh, Harper Collins rabbit. and Marin your rabbit, and he drops the podcast. The next two days, Hollywood, I had six meetings. And one of really? the person that I met in the meeting was John Rowley. He worked for Brian Grazer and Ron Howard Company, which huh. I didn't really believe shit he said. I thought he was a little young boy, but he was a lot older than I thought he was. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we kind of went separate ways. And, and when my contract was up with New Reese, he came back and he said, I'm going to get you on TV. I was like, yeah, fuck off. You know, yeah. you're lying. You lying motherfucker. This was what I'm thinking to myself. And he ended up, I ended up in the company of Brian Grazer and Lee Daniel. And so I didn't go through a lot of people to get a deal. I landed with this dude and he kept his word. And we like family now. And I ended up with Lee Daniel and Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. Yeah. But how many scripts did you guys go through before you made this one? Oh, we went through three writers. Three writers. See, no, now, you know, no one does that. Like, no one has the balls to stand up for themselves in this business. Everyone just goes, sure, like, if you like it, let's do it. No. So the first writer um, we I had, and uh, I just didn't feel, I want to be on TV, but I wanted to be on TV right and funny, the Miss Pat way. I didn't want to be drowned out and had to, you know, let the network dog walk me. And so I remember they was like, oh, pick a director. And it's for Fox. You be happy as fuck. You about to make a shit ton of money. It, I, I told them in the meeting, I said, look, white people, you could never give me as much money as I have stolen. Okay? Yeah. Much drugs that I have, I have, I have did, I much drugs that I have stolen in my life. So money was never the money issue with me. I, whatever I do, I want it to be good or great. So we ended up with this writer, and I just said, this is not it. And so I go to my team, which is uh, uh, John Rattler and, and uh, the people over at um, Imagine. And I said, this writer ain't going to work. And they was like, what? I said, I don't care if I don't get another opportunity. I don't want to be on TV like that. And so we had to part ways with the writer. And they was like, it is so good that you stand up for yourself. I'm like, no, you motherfuckers are going to let me go through with this, I believe. It was me who said no. And then yeah. we get another writer. And they didn't like the strip. And I said, they said, well, you know, you don't, you don't get, you don't get two and three chances in Hollywood. So I said, well, no, you don't. It. No, you, you get, you get like, you get one chance in Hollywood sometimes. I got three fucking chances. And Lee Daniel convinced Fox, hey, if you would only just give her one more chance, I'll go find her a writer. Found a 22 year old kid still in college in New York named Jordan Cooper. And I'm a realist. I, I, they, you just, I can't get down with the fake shit, Bert. I pulled this kid to the side and I said, look, they're never going to give you this fucking job. You're 22. You ain't never wrote nothing but a play. But if you listen to me, you can get this fucking job. 
I said, let's write a strip behind their back. We wrote a strip behind their back. And he put his, and I said, take your fucking name off of it. If they don't like it, then Lee can't say that you can't write. We can put it back on me because Lee was trying to get him a job. Takes his name off the damn strip. I give it to Lee Dan. He's like, who the fuck wrote this? And I was like, me? He was like, uh-uh, everything's spelled right. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up, we ended up, uh, they loved the strip and Lee helped us tweak it. We tuck it over to Fox and he got a job. And it, that was the making of the Miss Pat show. We shoot the pilot at Hulu. And I picks up on spirit with good people and bad people. I just fought. I'm from the street. So my instincts has kept me from getting killed. And I remember us shooting the pilot and a big person coming down from Hulu. And I'm telling them, I'm like, he, they're not going to pick up this show. And they're like, why? We're killing this. Funny. It's packed out. I said, they're not going to pick up this show. Why you say that? I said, my spirit said that person don't understand me. The first thing the person said, why is she hollering at her kids like that? Oh, motherfucker, you never been in a black neighborhood? Never seen a black mama in raw form behind doors? You never, you never spanked your damn kids? So Hulu drops it. And I said, I told y'all Hulu was going to drop it. And I never felt like it wasn't going to get picked up. I felt like we was going to land where we needed to land. And we did. Not to get into like some f- fucking uh, existential woke conversation, but like I've been, I'm, I'm in a business where everyone un- understands me. Everyone gets me. Mm-hmm. They, they have a like everyone looks like me. Everyone that works at all the businesses look like me. Uh, the shorthand is very quick. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. I, 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 went, I, I went to college. I know a guy like you. Uh, I, 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 I just had kids. I know a guy like you. What's it like to make great product and watch a older white dude go, the fuck is it? And re- literally without saying it, saying like, like I basically saying I've never met a black person. So, I mean, because it's it's so frustrating. I mean, not, it's not frustrating, but sometimes as a, as like as a person who has you know a diverse group second. of hold friends. On hey, so, come here. Hold on. Get your fucking ass back there with your daddy. I'm on. Hold on. I'm sorry. Y'all cut this. No, it's okay. Get yeah, back yeah. there, goddammit. I'm on the phone. One more time. Get your motherfucking ass in here and sit down. Walk around this motherfucker like you on a corner or something. Set your ass down. I'm sorry. No, I no, I think that I think that proves our point. It was a great, great answer to the question, Pat. <laughs> hey, motherfucker, just walk. Set your ass down. <laughs> yeah, just walk around this motherfucker. I'm trying to do a podcast. I'm sorry. Please cut it out, Camille. No, okay. no, don't cut it out. Leave it in. Are you fucking kidding me, Pat? <laughs> that defines everything we were just talking about. That is the perfect example. That's literally if I cracked a beer and lit a joint right now, and I was like, hey, take this out. You're like, no, that's the thing that makes you you. Like, and that's the thing that's got to be frustrating is that a white guy would hear that and then tell you you're living your life wrong and we can't show that on television. Well, <laughs> pretty much that's what they said. You know, you had, I had so many people behind the scene at Hulu was like, this is something different. This is what people want to see. And because one person didn't get it, then allow it to go for, for the, further in the network. So I understand in this business, everybody ain't going to get you. Everybody ain't going to like your honesty. Everybody ain't going to like your style. Everybody ain't going to like what you do. So I've learned in life to fuck with people who fucks with you. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go home and cancel my subscription because they didn't pick up the Miss Pat show because I love fucking Handmaid's Tale. But... (laughs) (laughs) But that's... But that's that's something right there that... And not not to... I don't even know that older white dude, but his analytics would say... 
well, we're not going to advertise to Miss Pat's demographics. They're not going to get this Handmaid's Tale. It's not for them. What's for them is uh, the real basketball housewives of 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 Roswell, you know? Yeah. And so and the, when you watch them follow their analytics like that or just make gut calls based on their lack of experience and the, and that lands on your future, I would be fucking livid. I, you know what? I can't. That's that. That's their money. He's in charge of their money. It was their mistake. It's a hit for BT Plus. Would have been a huge hit for Hulu. I oh, see yeah. what Hulu picks up, and what Hulu picks up is not in the realm of the Miss Pat show. No. They don't get it. They do the same thing. Well, what from what I see, they do the same thing. If Handmaid's Tales is not on over there, I don't go on over there. So yeah. you know, maybe you didn't want, maybe you didn't want the people who understand my show over there. Maybe you didn't want their money. I don't know why the fuck you didn't pick up my show. The, the word he kept using was prestige. Is it a prestige show? I said, I don't even know what the fuck you talking about. All I know is that you ain't going to find a show out there as funny as the Miss Pat show and as real as the Miss Pat show that can handle topics. So, you know, because you don't understand my experience, it was your loss. It was so funny because the night it came out and it started shutting down BT Plus app. Everybody started tagging Hulu. Hulu, you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I look at it like this, Bert. We're where we supposed to be because the thing that we're tackling in the second season, I look at the co-creator and say, you would have never got away with this shit. No way. Yeah, else. right. And it makes <laughs> you wonder where where does this go? How many seasons would you do with the Miss Pat show? Uh, as, I would say as many as they give me, but I really love stand-up. So about six. About six. We got we just wrapped two. We got another ten episodes coming. <laughs> really? And so and so what uh how how involved are you in that process of making the Miss Pass show? I mean, I, I know it's your voice, I know it's your experiences, but you wouldn't be where you are today if you hadn't stood up for yourself. And I know when you get a writer's room, by the way, what color is the white writer's room? Are they all black dudes? Are they all white dudes? What is it? No, they're white and black. I, really? I, I, and one thing I had to tell, because we over at BT Plus, I said, we're not going to do this black. We're going to do good. I don't give a fuck if they come in with a squirrel pussy on their head. Are they good? Yeah. <laughs> so the second yeah. in charge is a white boy. I have two white guys uh, and and then everybody else is black. But How fun is that writer's room? Because I bet you're allowed to say anything because you're exploring topics that are taboo. I would fucking love to be in that writer's room. You know, the writers that I have, one of them wrote on Good Kids, the one with the, the old people. It was on Fox. The show with the old people was so fucking funny. I can't think of the name of it. Old um, people. It was a bunch of old people and David Allen Greer was in it last year. Oh, oh I, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. And he tell me all the time, he said, this is the funniest fucking writer's room I've ever been in. And then I also have somebody from Abba Elementary that we're losing because the show is coming back. But, I mean, they love it. They fucking love it. And I, I brought them into my world that they probably didn't understand, but they do, they do a great fucking job. You want to talk about That's what they need to do whenever someone gets canceled for uh, racial shit, some white guy, they should bring them in your writer's room so they can learn how to fucking interact. <laughs> you know, I think they learned a lot over there. I bet too. they learned so much. We did an episode in season two where we talk about black hair, and they was fucking blown away. Cause you know, black hair start with 
It's not about the hair that grows out of our head. It's for a lot of black women, it's the pain that come with black hair, like tender headed and being called nappy headed. And people, I, I did a whole episode on why we wear this. It's, this don't define us. This is convenient. And I did a whole episode on it that I think women of all races is going to enjoy. Do you think Will Smith will enjoy it? <laughs> hey, how, how ironic is it that Chris Rock made a movie called Good Hair and then made a hair joke to a black woman? <laughs> you, I, I, let me say this. When Chris Rock made that hair joke, I mean, not the hair joke, but when he made the movie, black women was mad. For real? We they was mad. They was like, "How dare you fucking show what we do to all black hair? Black hair is a, is a staple of the black community, and we don't play about this. This is all black hair is is. I I can't really explain it, but we don't we don't play about it. It's something precious. It it it, it defines who we are. You know that's why we don't allow anybody to touch it. We're you can't ever touch about, a black woman's hair. <laughs> not our real hair. Not this shit either that we bought. <laughs> yeah. But we, it's, 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 it's who we are. So we, I think a lot of people, a lot of black women thought Chris Rock disrespect us by making that black hair movie. Oh, they was livid. It didn't bother it. me. I watched it and it made me more empathetic. I, mean, I never realized. I never realized any of it. And I felt like white men and black women had more in common because white men, when they lose their hair, it starts to become a, like it becomes a real thing. Like you, it really kind of, it's it, all of a sudden it's like, well, fuck. And we do so much. Like I had a conversation, I won't say her name, but a, a very big movie star, black movie star on a plane. And we were talking about topics about the sprinkle stuff in. And, yeah. uh, and she was telling me about it. And I said, I use, I use super million hairs. And she was like, oh, which, which one's that? And I was like, oh, it's a little different. And I was like, I got it in my bag. And I pulled one out. She was like, oh, for and, and I felt like there was so many, so much common ground with the uh, how, how your hair makes you feel and, and, and how it can make you not feel that I was like, that, I love that movie. But then, of course, you know, when Leanne and I went out to dinner, I just watched that movie and our waitress comes up and she's black. And Leanne goes, kicks me under the table. She goes, do not say anything about her fucking hair. <laughs> Don't start talking to her about her hair because you just saw a goddamn movie. And of course, you know, I did. I got drunk and I was like, so is that, is that, can I ask you real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a crown. It's all crown. And when yeah. we let it out, like I have a, a, a lot of hair. It, 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 immediately when we let it out, it's like, it's a confident booster. But it's yeah. also a lot to work with too. It's a lot of fucking work to, to deal with black hair. Ah, uh, yeah. I can't. I, that's going to be a great episode. Oh, it's going to be great because I go back to the mama in the episode who caused me so much pain with the black hair. But I don't want to give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Do you I make do these episodes? Do you make these episodes in with like white people in mind going like this? They're going to or do you just go like, I just want it to be authentic and funny. And if white people do not understand it, then they just don't understand. I don't need to explain well, it. I'm, I'm never going to explain it. Uh, yeah. I do it for my life. And um, if you if, if if you didn't experience this, so if you didn't experience what I'm talking about, now I'm telling you a story so you can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's, that's what each episode of the Miss Pat show do. I mean, we touch on topics. Every episode that we make somehow comes out of something that I've been through or experienced in life. 
do you feel like do you feel like the Miss Pat show is kind of cannibalizing your stand up because everything that's really good that you bring in the room, you go, well, shit, I got to give it here and I can't I can't use it there. Well, the, the co-creator, we have a rule. You cannot see me perform on stage. Because if you see me perform on stage, she'll take my whole fucking set yeah. and turn it into the Miss Pat show. So I say, you cannot see me until I'm done with my fucking set. So yeah. right now, season two, he's just tearing my special apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, because he can go through the stuff you've already used and elaborate about chicken neck. Yeah. So... um we, you know, I have to be very careful because I don't want to repeat. I don't want people to say, well, I seen that on her show. I'm, ve I'm very particular about what I give the fans. Like, I just burnt the hour that I had been working with for 15 months, which is scary as fuck to write a whole new hour. But I refuse to give the audience something that I've already given them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I went yeah. to open mic and started creating a whole nother set. Are you doing open mics in Atlanta right now? Uh-huh. I do open mic all the time. Where are you going? Are you going to Laughing Skull? Laughing Skull, little God. spots around here and there. I I wish I, I, it sucks that if I do a spot, I got to do it at the store, you know, or at the improv, like where it's like all of a sudden everyone's at and you're just doing a spot with a bunch of murderers and you get to go up in Atlanta where it's like murderers. You got Carlos Miller down there. You've got uh, Chico Bean. You've got. Uh, they don't come to the skull as DC. much. And I go, I go on like the really open mic night yeah like where people probably don't even work the role and i just blend right in yeah yeah that's what i like about atlanta they got a lot of they don't have as many superstar comics as y'all do in Atlanta in la does your fan base surprise you uh it used to Bert. it, it used to a lot because it's so diverse like yeah. i can almost tell where they come from i'd be like Bert Crusher podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, uh, Mark Marin podcast, Bob and Tom, and you know, just the Miss Pat show. Um, what what has really gotten crazy with my fan base? Base they have turned black. Really? <laughs> I didn't have many black fans until the show came out, and they was like, "Where the hell have you been?" I'm like, "I've been rocking this shit for 20 years." So, um, and black folks is my people is crazy as hell like they just yeah. come up and snatch it give me a hug bitch and like, <laughs> <laughs> where they're aggressive they feel like they know you they feel like they're part of your family where my other fan base are stand back like oh miss pat it's so happy to meet you not my people they think i'm their cousin at the barbecue and they've been knowing me 20 years auntie pat bitch pull your wig up and they pulling all yeah. on <laughs> oh that's so fantastic well, i have all types of people i mean it just makes me smile because when i hear somebody that's totally not you know from my walk of life or my race and they can relate to the mom uh they can relate to a part of my life and i was like oh only thing separate only things different between all of us just the skin the color of our skin, because a lot of us experience the same shit, or know people who experience the shit that I'm talking about. Yeah, the 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 thing that always surprises me about, like a, when I see a fan, is age. I get a lot of I'll get a lot of younger, like college kid kids, usually girls, that love my daughters and Leanne, and they just want to hear stories about my daughters and Leanne. And then all of a sudden, I'll do this like pussy eating joke, and they're like, ugh. You're, you're like our dad. What are you doing? And I'm like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> That's how they see you. They, they see their dad who talks shit inside the house but never would do it outside the house. And yeah. finally, they can see you. Oh, that's my daddy on stage. And we yeah. had those same experiences. And then you get the pussy. Oh, my daddy eat pussy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> daddy's pussy. <laughs> hey, so uh, you're running it for him, Bert. We'll be right back with more Miss Pat and Bert Kreischer. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Bert Kreischer interviewing Miss Pat. I want to talk to you about podcasting because I really feel like out of our generation of kids, like people that got on podcasts, myself and you, I I think are, are people that really, it was the best for. Um, yes. Just talk to me about podcasting because I've done Merit and I understand the Merit thing, but I've also done Rogan and I've done Ari and I've, and I've, and, and and you've done Leanne a couple times. You've done me with Leanne. You've done, I mean, you've done all the podcasts. I've done all the podcasts. <laughs> I, um, podcasts, you know, when I met all of you guys and people like, oh, Miss Pat, you should really start a podcast. It was just something I thought I couldn't do. Be honest with you, I thought it was a white man world. Because at the time, black people, black comedians was not doing fucking podcasts. It was literally a white boy thing. And yeah. so Rogan was like, I did Rogan for the second time and he just pulled me to the side. He said, you should do your podcast. Do your fucking podcast and I'll help yeah. you launch it. And I'm like, I don't fucking, I live in Indiana. Who the fuck am I going to interview? I mean, I don't have no comics. I'm not surrounded by a bunch of funny fucking people. And he said, just find a way to do your podcast. And so I just grabbed two guys that I knew and I started it and I launched it. And I tell you, I really fucking like it. It helped my comedy career tremendously. Uh, it's very demanding now because I also have a job on the morning show here in Atlanta for V103. So I have a, a radio job. Wait, are you serious? You're doing radio too? I'm doing radio too. I'm, I'm on the morning show with Big Tigger. No way. Yeah. Wait, not, not Big Tigger from BET's basement. Uh-huh. 
No fucking way. Are you serious? Uh-huh. I'm his, I'm his co-host. The Big Are you Pigger shitting show. me? Uh-huh. By the way, he's a good looking dude. Is he still good looking? Yeah, he's still good looking. He's just old. How old is he? <laughs> I don't fucking know. In his 50s, if not 50. <laughs> God damn. What a fucking life that guy's led. He's seen a lot. Wait, how did you get that show? What, how did that happen? Did you? Did they just come to you? Well, I did an interview there promoting the first season of the Miss Pat show. And I just put it in the universe. You know, I'm, I wanted to come back home to Atlanta. Yeah. And I'm trying to convince my husband to retire from General Motors a little early. And I was like, hey, if they give me a second season, I'm never coming back home. <laughs> <laughs> and I never fucking came back because they renewed the show within two weeks. I was like, packy shit. And so I was like, I've been on this job 20 years. I said, well, maybe you need a little bit more security. And I really went to B103 is the, the radio, the staple radio show in Atlanta, Georgia. And I always wanted to work for them. So I went in for an interview to promote the, promote the Miss Pat show. And I just started talking like I always do. And next thing I know, I was in contract talk to be the co-host of the Big Ticker Morning Show. And, you know, of course, your people, your agent, like, you don't have fucking time for that. You're blowing up. And I said, oh, why not go and learn how to do radio? God, I mean, I know so how to do brilliant. podcasts. I said, what is it going to hurt? Give me a year contract. I want to learn this shit. And he's like, why? But you don't even need it. I said, shut the fuck up and, and, and make the contract right. Yeah. So I took the job and I fucking loved it. Really? I get up at four o'clock in the morning. It's from six to 10, but it, it challenged me. And then I leave there and I go shoot the Miss Pat show. Pat, you're living the, the life that everyone dreams of. I don't feel famous, but I, I tell my team all the time, I say, I do not feel famous. I don't know what it is to feel famous. Like I look at you and I see you rock starting all around the world and I don't feel that. I feel it for you because I met you before all of that shit came. And, but I do not feel famous. And people tell me all the time, you're too humble. Like if you ask me to walk the red carpet, I was like, no, take me through the back door. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's how a normal person would feel. There's a difference between famous and narcissistic. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> and I got a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, it's like I tell them all the time, I, say, I don't give a fuck if anybody know me. Uh, I just want to do great work. That's all I want to do. And I want my checks to clear. Yeah. It's yeah, not about yeah. having the most famous friends in this business. I know who my friends are. I know who I can call Burt Kreischer or Rogan and pick up the phone and so many other people. I like real people in my life. I don't, you know, I don't care about all the fancy dinners. I just like good people. And I, I like doing good work uh, for whatever I'm doing, for whatever I'm trying to sell. I'm just hustling all the time. People are like, do you fucking sleep? Uh, no, my mind is always going. I was like, I, I was saying, y'all don't let the wrong bitch in Hollywood. <laughs> it isn't that the truth though, because the you know there are there are a handful of people. You're in that group that I don't, I wouldn't hesitate to call. But when you when you think about it, I mean, I guess people listening to this would be like, she's got a morning show, she's got a hit sitcom. She's got a, a a Netflix special that's in the top 10 launching like for the year. There's, I mean, and you just give her a call and you're like, oh yeah, that's how, I, but that, that's so funny. And I wonder that, I think that's just part of who you are. It's how you have succeeded in this business is just not pretending to be something you're not. The people I don't call are the people that pretend to be something they're not. And I go, I don't know any answers who I'm talking to.
Yeah, who the fuck you gonna get? You know, yeah. Oh, we're friends. Oh, bitch, I don't, first of all, I have no, I don't like people who talk and hold their breath at the same time. They're the fakest motherfuckers in Hollywood. Yeah. When they hold their breath and they talk, they're not for real. How do you do it? Bitch, breathe. <laughs> bitch, breathe, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, but I, I try to stay as humble as possible because it's work to me. And I think when you, and people are like, do you ever take time to enjoy this? Uh, uh, are you ever satisfied? What I live by is when you get satisfied, you have nothing to work towards. Oh, yeah, that's so I will true. be satisfied when I'm no longer breathing and I'm resting forever. But as long as I got breath in my body and I can open my mind in the morning, it's work, 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 work. Wow, that's so crazy. That I mean, when I'm thinking about your day, I mean, my days are busy, but I, but it's always on the road. It's always on the road, and it's doing interviews or doing stuff like that, and then shows at night. To but you got to get up at four in the morning. You do radio, then you go over to hair and makeup. You got to go sit through hair and makeup. Then you shoot. Then you come home, maybe spend some time, do dinner, and then you're over to an open mic. And then you got to be first or second on so that you can get to sleep to go do work again. And you're doing it all out of Atlanta. How much has this business changed? <laughs> well it started in indiana so i yeah. just told god a long time ago i said if hollywood is for me they gotta come get me because my husband got health care and i'm not moving no fucking la on no dream without no health care okay i'm getting older and so hollywood came and got my ass straight out of indiana and i was able to move back here so did you did you sell the house in indiana i just sold it really yeah and so you're <laughs> everyone's back in atlanta Everybody, my you know my son who got in your bed. Of course, yeah. <laughs> His whole family moved back too. So I'm building a house here. Um, I bought some land here. Oh, so, shut up! Oh uh, yeah, I bought I bought a, quite a few acres, and I'm just gonna build. Um, I'm gonna do what you did. You know, you turned your whole house around. So that's what I'm yeah. doing. I hired an architect. I called your wife and tell me where to get this at, and tell me where to get that at. And so I built my, I built me a little mini mansion. <laughs> oh, wow. It's funny. Uh, the girls watched uh, the beginning of your special and uh, the look on their faces when they watch you. They also watch the Miss Pat show. Leanne had them sit. Leanne, I was out of town. Leanne sat down and watched Miss Pat show with them. And they get, it's, it's different. <laughs> they're like, they're like, get so excited and they laugh so freaking hard. And it's like, and it's, I think, you know, in a weird way, they, they're like, that's our, that's our auntie. That's our black auntie. When we have our, yep. well, she's, she's going to take us for a summer. <laughs> I sure will. <laughs> well, my kids watched the Miss Pat show. One of my kids say, are you ever going to tell us what a click is? What a click? <laughs> I'm like, hell no. <laughs> uh, oh, what's it like being in Atlanta? Atlanta is a predominantly black city and a, a lot of entertainers, athletes live in Atlanta, but all like mostly black dudes, like, I think I know Lil John's got a house there. Ludacris oh, got a house there. Like Ti's there. I mean, I know you're close with Ti. Like you, I, I, I remember seeing him. I love Ti. I love Ti. I really love Ti. I love I, that he's doing stand up. You know what? And I, I need to. I'm, I'm gonna call him today because he took that boo where most people could have quit and said this shit ain't for me and came back the next day and rocked it out like a real fucking comedian. I saw him open for Dave Chappelle. And I just, and we talked and I said, T.I., you got some funny shit. All yeah. you got to do is learn the technique of this shit. He's going to be all right. He could, he could be a funny ass comedian. 
I mean, he's funny already. Like I saw him in a four house of 400 people and he did his damn thing. Yeah. Only thing he didn't have is a bunch of segues, but he just, he only been doing the shit 10 weeks. You know, he knew cause he say 10 weeks, you know, after Ten a while weeks. we stopped. <laughs> I didn't even call myself a comedian in 10 weeks. <laughs> I don't think he called himself either. He's experiencing some, but I tell you, they fucking with the right one. Cause I think he's going to get it. What other, what other rappers do you think would make great comedians? Remember we did this about who gives the best dick, who, what other rappers, <laughs> what other rappers do you think would make great comedians? I think 50 cent. <laughs> Probably make a oh, great. 50 Cent will make a great fucking comedian. He's so mean, but he be cracking me. I be want to unfollow 50, but I can't because he's yeah. so fucking funny. And he be telling 50 say everything other motherfuckers are scared to say. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see what he said to Floyd Mayweather? Oh, yeah, he tells me he can't read all the time, but he say we still friends. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, the, I, I fell out laughing. He goes, I just want everyone to know, for the record, Floyd Mayweather is the best boxer of our generation and probably ever. He is the greatest, and I and 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 I have nothing but respect for him. Now, could someone please read that to it, the champ? <laughs> <laughs> he said he give him. He said he'd give him a million dollars if he could read a, a one page out of uh, out of Harry Potter without mistakes, without stopping. <laughs> I fucking, I mean, his brain is so fucking funny. I I would love. He needs to do stand up. He, I, I could see him. I could see Plies. Plies is fucking hilarious. I don't know if you follow him online. No, Lil Boosie is funny. Oh, Lil Boosie, Lil Boosie <laughs> would be man. His stand-up would be so fucking raw. <laughs> it, it was. It would. Be, I would love to watch Little Boosie do stand-up. Little Boosie would definitely be funny. I mean, um, that's about Snoop. Snoop. Little Boosie. Plies. Fifty Cent. Ti. Uh, Killer Mike would be a good alt comic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, bring this thing together, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh. So positive. God damn. Oh, that makes me so happy. So what's so what's on the horizon? What's your big white whale out there that you're fishing for? Now that you've got the radio show, you've got the podcast, you've got the hit sitcom, you got the hit Netflix special, you got the family in Atlanta, you still got uh, the healthcare. And so, uh, I just sold something to Netflix, but I, I can't talk about it yet. Mm -hmm. So with a really prominent big producer involved, Really? Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to telling the world about that. We're in the middle of that now. And I just got some other things that I'm working on. You know, uh, Sid is always popping in my head. I'm always trying to develop. I really like to develop shit because my head is, it's almost like when, I don't know if you ever seen the Michael Jackson movie when he said, mom, I just got all of these songs in my head. So it's like, I got all of these ideas in my head, but I yeah. don't write. But if you put me in front of a writer, we're going to fucking create because all of these stories just going to come out of my brain. So um, I'm looking to, you know, really develop more TV. I think that's what I'd be excited to see you with with a with a production house, meaning like your own production house and 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 have you discover talent and help shepherd them. Because the one thing you uh, by far have mastered in this business, which no one does, is the ability to, to make sure your voice is heard. And, and not everyone has that. You've always stood up so that your voice could be heard. And it, and it, I mean, and I think you discovering talent, you finding talent, 
that you you shepherding them the way Lee Daniels did you. You having your own Tyler Perry studio <laughs> in Atlanta, that would be fucking next. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be like Tyler Perry, but I do want to develop, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to bringing more original things, uh, ideas to TV. So that's what I'm working on now. And um, I've been partnering with Netflix on some things. And, you know, I'm a little bit everywhere. Netflix, I'm over here with BET Plus, And who knows where I end up next? Well, I, I got to tell you, Pat, it, this isn't the right word, but I'm so proud to have met you so early on in your career to see you develop. It makes my heart swell because it feels like the good people succeed. And, and you know, me and my wife have been huge supporters of everything you do your entire career. So to see you blow up like this and to see you succeed on so many levels and then to to just sit very simply to to – when, when I got the offer to do this and they sent me the joke that we were working on to be in the car with the girls and Leanne and go, Hey, I need to listen to this, this Pat joke. You guys mind if we listen to it real quick and then just listen to our whole car, how laughing and I like Google it. I like Google it and go, it's a real disease. It's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's called wildness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mama had it. I, I just, I don't want to get this shit, but you know, when I realized, I didn't even realize it was real. I just thought my sister had smoked so much crack that her neck came away from her spine. And that's why her head was falling over. So when I was writing a joke, I called and I said, what the fuck is wrong with your neck? And she told me what it was. And, and I Googled, yeah. I said, this shit is real. Crack didn't do this. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I just, I, I just want to keep, you know, sharing stories of, about my life and i want people to realize no matter what you've been through in life just find a way to laugh at the shit because and i say this all the time when you laugh at it that means you got control of it that's why i'm here today i mean i could have let this shit took me to my grave or drug me down and i'm depressed i chose to laugh all the way to the bank oh wow imagine telling that 13 year old girl that got pregnant hey just so you know this all works out really good <laughs> You're going to be know, laughing right? all the way to the bank. <laughs> I didn't feel that shit when I was going through it. I was like, you know, after I got a little older. I, but you know what? I never complained. I never said, why me? I just said, I need to survive. So you're right. When I look back at that little 13-year-old girl, and um, I know she had to be worried because I was that little 13-year-old girl. I didn't know what. I, I didn't see none of this shit coming. Never thought I was funny. Never thought I would end up here. All I wanted to do was get a decent job and take care of them two kids. And so many, God had me four more. And I was like, hold on, God, what the hell are you doing? You know something I don't know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say this before we go. I remember when I picked up the last set of kids. They're still here. I've had them eight years. They're my niece's kids. I pull up in Atlanta and my niece called me. She's like, Auntie, I need a favor. I'm like, what do you want? She said, my sister's homeless and she got four kids. One of the babies are two weeks old. Can they please come live with you? I know you just built a big ass house in Indiana. And I said, fuck no, bitch. <laughs> them crack babies ain't coming to my house and right on my new walls. <laughs> My son was in the car with me. He's like, Mama, you should help her out. I'm like, why? He said, because when you was down and out, somebody helped you out. Do you remember the time my daddy shot you in the back of the head, drug you behind that truck, and gave you them STDs? I'm like, damn, nigga, you remember all that shit? <laughs> Let's go get the crack babies and their mama.
And I remember my career started to take off and I'm in the middle of trying to sell a TV show. And I and somehow God led me to my knees. And I said, God, and I, I talked for real to God. I ain't got time for this bullshit. You know I can't take care of these kids. I got a comedy career. My other kids are in middle school. That I'm trying to get them out so I can have this comedy career. And I I planned a Christmas dinner with my family, Bert. And my niece was homeless and the baby was two weeks old. And I said, why you set me up like this, God? And on the way home, I told a bit about this. I had a panic attack. And I and I said, I can't do this shit again. These people break my heart. I don't have time to be bringing on four kids in my house with my husband. And it was a voice in my ear that said, I got you. And I never forget that shit. And I was able to just release, like I deflated like a balloon and it said, I got you. Next thing you know, I saw the TV show, Netflix was knocking. I was at the fucking Montreal Comedy Film. And I was like, is this what you meant when you say you got me? <laughs> <laughs> Give me another baby. I'll take another baby. <laughs> no, the fuck I won't. Get somebody else, Lord. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> People are going to be hear this, they're going to be walking by dumpsters go, is there a baby in there? I can use that luck. <laughs> I need another uh, Netflix special. There's a baby in that dumpster. <laughs> is there a baby in that dumpster? <laughs> but it's, it's been great. And the kids are flourishing. They uh, have a 13-year-old, 12-year-old, uh, 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And I don't regret listening to that voice in my ear to pick up those four kids. But I will say this. I ain't taking nobody else's goddamn children. It's over. I'm 50. It's over. <laughs> I'm 50. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I got to do this with you, Pat, just to get to hang out with you and talk to you for an hour. I love you. I really do. I absolutely I love, love you. I love you too, Bert. And I can't wait to get back to LA to come by there. That's it for another episode of Good One. Watch Y'all Want to Hear Something Crazy on Netflix. Follow Miss Pat on social media at Comedian Miss Pat. Follow Bert at Bert Kreischer. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Godman Shrikashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes, mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.